Well, good morning again. My name's Colby, and welcome to Trucking Through the Bible. Uh, we're going to jump right into Romans chapter 2. Uh, keep on in the series on Romans. Jump into Romans chapter 2 this morning. Again, it is September 23rd, 2020. Uh, and I hope this episode finds you doing well. I hope that the Lord is blessing you and that you're pursuing your relationship with the one true God through Jesus, his son. So Romans chapter two, again, we're looking at the epistle to the Romans as written by Paul. Uh, I gave a little bit of the detail about Paul and his relationship with the Romans and what an epistle was or a, a letter was. Uh, in the episode on Romans chapter 1. Again, Paul has written a letter to the Romans whom he has not yet met at that time, but he's continuing the thought uh, of Romans chapter 1. And uh, this is why we find Romans chapter 2 opening up with a word that, with the word therefore. And uh, as one smarter man once said to me, if you see the word therefore in the Bible, it'd be good for you to ask yourself, what is it there for? Amen. Before we jump in, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for another beautiful day. We thank you that you've blessed us with the time to be able to spend in your word. We ask that Holy Spirit, you would come upon us and give us the ability to understand your word. You give me the ability to articulate the word in a reasonable and understanding way. And I plead the blood of Jesus over this hour, over all those who are out there listening, whether in the past, present, or future, wherever they may be on the earth. May your name, Lord Jesus, be lifted up and glorified. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So Romans chapter 2, continuing in the book of Romans. Paul says, therefore, you're inexcusable, O man. Remember, in Romans chapter 1, he has basically took the pen of condemnation and he has pinned everybody or stamped everybody. You're all, everybody in the world is guilty, including himself. Everybody in the world is guilty before God and, and there's no escaping this guilt. Now, he is about to address the Pharisee or those who have the law, he's about to explain to them how God is looking for the regeneration of the heart and not the outward appearance of the man. As Jesus once said, those Pharisees look like whitewashed tombs. They're beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, they're full of dead man's bones. And I pray that that is not you today. So Paul says, therefore, because of this, in other words, because of this or because of what I've said in chapter one, remember now that there are no chapter breaks and verses and all that type of stuff in the original writing. So you can see that uh, if you know your Bible, you know that Romans one, two and three kind of can be studied as one long straight unit. So it's not hard for us to understand why. 
Paul starts out, or this chapter for us, starts out with the word therefore. He says, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for on whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things, but we know that the judgment of God is according to the truth against those who practice such things. And you, and do you think this, O man, who judge those practicing such things, and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God? In other words, do you think just because you've been handed the truths of God, remember, he's speaking to a Jewish person, the people who have the law, because God chose Abraham, whom the Jewish lineage came to us through. He chose Abraham to bring a lineage through so that he could display who he was to the nations all over the globe. The nations that had been uh, basically hijacked by the fallen angels in the Old Testament and who were basically worshiping these lesser deities or the fallen angels uh, all around the globe, those who surrounded them, right? That's who Paul is addressing right now. He's addressing the Jewish people or the Pharisees in particular, who would consider themselves of a higher rank or higher status simply because God had chosen their great-grandfather Abraham and they have the truths of God's word. So he's pointing out the fact that they can't use that as an excuse. He says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. Verse 5, he says, But in accordance with the hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds. And he goes on to draw a distinction between the two. He says, Eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good, seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, to these types, he says, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory, again, he switches back again. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. It doesn't matter whether you're a Gentile or a Jew. In other words, whether you were born up with under the teaching of God's truth or not. Salvation is open and free to all those who will come and the condemnation rests upon all those whether you have one or you don't have 
what he was referring to. He says, For as many as have sinned without the law also perish without the law. In other words, are also condemned. And as many as have sinned in the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just in the sight of God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For, who, for when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of man by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, he says. In other words, he's just pointing out the fact again that to you who think because you know God's word, it doesn't make you better than the person who doesn't know God's word or doesn't make you immune to going to hell and being judged by the wrath of God against sin. He goes on to say, indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You see, you have all that you need that describes the type, of per the type of God that we're dealing with and what he expects. He says, you therefore who teach another, do you teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? In other words, being a knower is not enough, but a doer. James goes on to say in the book of James that you are to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, lest you deceive yourself, right? Same thought process here. You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. Continuing on, for circumcision, he says, is indeed profitable for you if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. We know that circumcision was a sign that was given to Abraham by God in the Old Testament, a sign to the nations around them that they are set apart people, that they are different, not just to the nations around them, but also to themselves, that they are different. Okay, I don't have to go into detail about what circumcision is, but uh, the physical, actual uh, flesh of the foreskin on a man taken away was a sign. All it was was a simple sign to show that they were Abraham's people, that they were, or they were God's people rather. Okay, but that in and of itself was not what brings salvation. It is faith alone 
in God alone. Faith alone in what God has said alone, what he has given us. Okay, which is salvation through his son Jesus. Paul's going on to say your circumcision, if you are circumcised, okay, that's great. But in order for you to be saved, you have to be absolutely perfect in the law, which no man has ever been. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man, he says, keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even, who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? In other words, you'd condemn yourself. If you don't do every absolute thing and do it perfectly, uh, which you can't, it's, uh, you're condemning yourself. There's, there's no point in fooling yourself. You're not perfect, and you're not able to, to keep the law and be circumcised every bit of it, 110%, okay? Yet there was one who came and was absolutely perfect. His name is Jesus. This is what Paul is going to continue on throughout the whole book of Romans. Throughout all his writings, he's pointing everybody to the Lord Jesus. For he is not, he goes on to say, a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. In other words, it's not by not by adhering to all these certain rules and, and doing these certain rituals and things on the outside. Okay. He says, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. Not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. So in other words, we see, again, that what God is looking for is not circumcision of the flesh and not your adherence to the law on the outward, but the, re, the resurrection of the heart on the inside and the circumcision of the man in the spirit. And this flushes itself out as you walk with the Lord Jesus. So we see that the circumcision God is looking for again is not in the flesh, but it's in the spirit. Now I hope that this blesses you. It's been Romans chapter 2. Continuing on in the thoughts of Romans chapter 1, Paul is simply laying out the case against humanity. Stay tuned. Share this with your friends. Again, my name is Colby, and this has been Trucking Through the Bible, and I hope it blesses you in the name of Jesus, and I hope that all things will work out in your life, whether good or bad, for the glorification of the Lord Jesus and for your conforming or confirmation, being conformed, in other words, into the image of Christ, in Jesus' name. Well, hello, folks. Welcome back to Trucking Through the Bible. Again, my name is Colby, and uh, I'll be your your driver through the Bible, per se. Uh, thank you for joining me again. It is, uh, let's see, September 29th of 2020. It's been a few days since I got to jump on here, but I wanted to go ahead and continue in uh, Romans chapter 4. In the book of Romans, again, the epistle that Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, and remember that he hadn't been there yet. Now, in the first three chapters of Romans, we remember that uh, Paul, 
has basically indicted uh, the entire human race. Uh, he has basically told the man who who uh, is living in the jungle, the pagan, the the one who is living without the law of God. He's basically told him that he's doomed, and he's basically also told on a complete other end of the spectrum that the man who has grown up with the law, or in this case the the those of the Jewish heritage, those who have come from the lineage of Abraham, he's basically told them the same thing, that it doesn't come even through the law, that is righteousness, and that they're doomed. we got to remember, let's back up one second, and let's just take a look at what it is that Paul is addressing, what it is that we, even now in this day and age, couple thousand years later after Paul's written this that we are dealing with what is our situation here our situation is that we are though made in the image of God we are God's image bearers us humans the genuine human race on the earth we are in a state of fallen fallenness, if I can put it that way. When Adam and Eve sinned because they were enticed by Satan himself in the Garden of Eden, sin came into the world and it cursed us, put us in this situation where now we are at odds with our Creator. And we are basically stuck and we don't have a way to enter back into the good graces of our Creator. We are not righteous. And there is no way for us to obtain that righteousness apart from what Paul is about to lay out for us in chapter 4 of the book of Romans. So without further ado, let's jump into, into it. Paul is about to give us some examples of, of faith. And he's going to use two different characters that are very, that were very, uh, the the Jews at the time would find very familiar. And even now, uh, in most Western culture, you know the name of Abraham or you know the name of David. And these are the two examples that Paul is going to give us, uh, as or per or for what or how, in other words, righteousness comes and uh, it comes by faith. It doesn't come by works. And this is, Paul's about to give us two different characters who knew this very fact that they couldn't work their way into the good graces of God or to earn the righteousness. Uh, it was simply by believing what God had said. So, it says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, and that word justified there means to be just before God. or It's a legal term that means the, the, the defendant or the one, the one who is guilty standing in the courtroom before the judge who is presumably perfectly righteous, the one who basically has the sentence and can dish out whatever sentence that they that they uh, feel 
necessary. The one who is guilty standing before them to be justified means to be made right in the courtroom or to be made right before the judge or for that judge to declare them righteous or right. In other words, I see that you're guilty, uh, but slam the gavel, you are cleared of all your offenses, you may go free. You are just as if you never sinned. You are just as if you never uh, committed that crime. Okay, so this is what justified means, the word justified. Verse, uh, Paul says, for if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? In other words, a rhetorical question. He's reminding those who know the scriptures. He's saying, what does the scriptures tell us? Well, what does it say? It says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. In other words, the righteousness and his justification came simply because Abraham did what? Did he do some sort of works? Did he check off all the right boxes? No. What did he do? It says that he believed God. Now you believe with your heart and mind. You don't believe with your hands and with your feet. Okay? The hands and the feet come after the fact. Okay? In other words, the works come after the fact. Good works are a product of are a good works are a product of righteousness or justification or belief and faith in that. In other words, you do right because you first had believed. Okay. It's a product of right believing or right thinking. Doing good is a product of right thinking. Doing bad is a product of wrong thinking. Okay. It says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And in other words, it was Abraham had an empty account, but because he believed, somebody went in there that was not Abraham, and apart from Abraham being able to do anything, somebody went in there and put into his account something that he needed, okay? In this case, righteousness. Abraham needed righteousness, which is what we need, okay? Because apart from the righteousness of God, no man will see him. No man will be in God's presence. All right. This is what Paul is laying out before us. But he's using Abraham as the example now. He says, now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. In other words, he's given us the contrast to what he just said, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. He says, so, or to hammer home that point, he says, to him who works or to him who goes out and does a task for somebody, the wages are not counted to him as grace. In other words, uh, it's not given to him freely because he just worked for it, right? There's a difference between earning a wage and a gift. A gift is simply given out of the good grace or out of the the, you know, the love of the giver. But 
to him who is paid for a task that he has accomplished, that's simply a debt. Okay, it's not grace. And the righteousness is not a debt given or owed by God to us. Righteousness cannot be earned again. So this is what we are in need of the righteousness of God. And Paul is explaining to us that we cannot acquire that righteousness. It has to be given to us. It has to be gifted to us. It has to come through grace. And now he goes on to give us an example of another character. And that is King David. Somebody very familiar within the Jewish community. And uh, most likely even within the Western community. Uh, in modern day. King David. We know of King David. Who he was. Paul goes on to say. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, that would be God, is the only one who can justify the ungodly. He says his faith is accounted for righteousness, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. And what was it that David said? But Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man whom God chose to be king after King Saul was chosen by the people. David was a man who knew God, who loved God, who wrote many, many psalms, who worshipped God, yet he was very much also acquainted with not doing the right thing at times, okay? Oftentimes, David found himself in a situation that he didn't have to be in, but because he wasn't doing the right thing or because he had sinned, uh, he was in a bad way. So David understood, but David also understood this, that blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. You see how the lawless deeds are forgiven and the sins are covered. The one who committed the lawless deeds or the sins is the one who is receiving the covering of his sin or receiving the forgiveness for his lawless deeds. You see, he is in the receiving uh, category or at the receiving end of this forgiveness or of the covering of his sin he said blessed is the man to whom the lord shall not impute sin in other words shall not account to him sin in his account okay blessed is that man see that man didn't go out and earn the covering for his sin or go out and earn the forgiveness of his sin he simply received it from god and he said David says, blessed is that man or that woman, whoever it is, you see. Blessed am I. I am blessed because I have received covering for my sin. Have I, have I committed sin? You better believe it. And I've done it. I, I've often done it uh, just more times than I'd like to admit, honestly. Okay. But I understand personally, the one who's speaking to you right now, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this, that I have sinned tremendously, but I also understand that I cannot earn the forgiveness that I need 
for that sin and I cannot earn the righteousness that I need to be in the right standing with God. Okay, just as David understood and just as Abraham understood and just as I pray you understand. He goes on to say, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted while he was circumcised? Okay, I talked about circumcision before. It was simply the mark. The physical circumcision of the male member was simply a, a sign given from God to Abraham after the fact, after his faith, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. This is what Paul is going on to say. Because he, he, he is basically cutting down, Paul is basically cutting down every excuse that the Jew would have for not having to come by faith, okay? Well, we did all these works, or we did all, we, we, we checked all the boxes in the law, or but we have circumcision as a sign that sets us apart from all the other nations or this or that. And Paul is basically taking every single one of those things, blasting them out of the sky and saying, no, that won't work either. No, I don't see that won't work either. It's only by faith, period. Okay. He goes on to say, how then was it accounted while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, the righteousness might, that righteousness might be imputed to them also, and the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. In other words, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Faith came first before the sign of the faith, okay? Abraham believed God before God gave him the sign of circumcision. Now, now for this, uh, for the layout, you can go back to the beginning in Genesis and read it for yourself. And you can see how it all played out, okay, in uh, chronological order. But Paul is just bringing this up and reminding them, okay, he says, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Okay? For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. In other words, again, If it was by accomplishing the law, then it was not of faith. It was by works. Remember in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, which is later on in the New Testament, Paul brings this up again with the church in Ephesus. 
He tells them that it's not by your works that you're saved, but it's by your faith, by grace alone, through faith. And that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay? He says, now, going on, moving on in Romans, he says, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He uses this word seed. He says, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law. What does he mean by the seed? Well, the seed, uh, basically those who are the children of God and those those who are the children of God across the whole scope of human, of the human race. Now you say, well, hold on, are there humans that are not of the seed? Well, it appears so. I would say yes, because we remember in Genesis chapter 3, God addresses the serpent. God addresses Satan himself, and he tells him, that the seed of the woman will be against you and your seed. Somewhere in the past, there has been a mingling and a, and a corruption within the human race that Satan himself has designed. And there are some who are of the seed of God for in the, in the kingdom and there are others who are not. There are a different seed. Okay, Jesus goes on and speaks about this in the Gospels. Remember, he brings up the parable of the sower. The man, he says, the kingdom is like a man who goes out and sows seed in his field and goes to sleep, and in the middle of the night, somebody comes along and sows tares among the wheat. And then the workers come along and say, look, master, something, some, somebody has come along and basically corrupted the seed. Should we go in there and pluck it all out? And, and the master tells the workers of the field, no, let them all grow together at one time. Lest you, when you pluck up those who are not, or pluck up the tares, you pull up the good fruit or pull up the good wheat that we actually planted. It's the same concept here. He says, and the master says, no, it was my enemy who's gone in and done this. Okay. It's the same, same idea here. There's a seed of God, seed of Abraham rather, or seed of the, of the lineage that God has ordained, those who God has chosen to give to his son Jesus, and then others who are not. Others who basically are not going to come to the faith of Christ. Okay, And those who are not, they're going to be the ones who are plucked up and they're cast into the fire. All right. Now, this is the straight God's honest truth, because God, the one who we're dealing with, is eternal, omniscient, omnipotent. He is the one who has ordained all these things from the beginning, and he knows the end from the beginning. He knows it all. OK, you say, are there some that God is allowed to live that he's basically going to. Uh, cast into hell and knows that they're not going to come to the right faith? Yes, that is what I'm telling you. And all you got to do is go on to read and we'll get there 
in the book of Romans where Paul says, God has made some as vessels of honor and some as vessels of dishonor, okay? Now, I'm not going to hammer that horse any, any longer or kick that dead horse any longer. He goes on to say, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In other words, the seed comes not just through from the Jewish people, but from all nations all over the world. I'm not of the lineage of the Hebrew people, but I am of the seed. I have come to faith in Christ. Okay, and same for somebody out of the nation of Africa, same for people out of China, same for, uh, you know, the, the Russians or the whatever. Okay, many nations. He says, in the presence of him who, whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who, contrary to hope, in hope believe. He, remember, he's referring back to Abraham. He's, he's giving the example of how the fact that it, it was absolutely contrary to what seemed to be possible at the time. Abraham was so old. And uh, Sarah was so old, though he was promised that Sarah would give birth to a child and she would conceive even at her old age, around 100 years old. And if you remember in the Old Testament, in Genesis, when, they come, when the angel of the Lord comes along and tells them that this is what's going to happen, Sarah is in the tent. And she laughs. And the angel of the Lord asked Abram, Why has Sarai laughed? Oh, I didn't laugh, she said. Oh, but you did. And then that's that's even where the name Isaac, who is the son of Abraham and Sarah, that's what the name Isaac means, laughter. In other words, basically God was kind of poking them in the eye, saying, you better believe what I'm telling you because uh, I am the one true perfect and holy God and I will do what I say and I am faithful okay that's just a little bit of a backstory again he says who contrary to hope in other words contrary to what seemed to be possible in hope he believed okay even you see you might say it like this Lord even though I you tell me this is what's this is what you're going to do or this is what's going to come to pass. I'm looking around right now and I have no idea how that's going to happen. I don't see any possible way it's going to happen. But you know what? I believe that you are who you say you are. And I believe that you can and will do what you say you will do. Okay, that's, that's the mindset that Abram had. He says, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be as many, as many or as numerous as the stars in the sky or the sand, the grains of sand on the seashore. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. 
and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay, again, he reiterates the point that because of Abraham's faith, that simple fact, it was accounted to him for righteousness. His faith was accounted to him for righteousness. All of that, the righteousness that Abraham required came before circumcision, came before the law. Okay? So any sort of excuse that anybody might be able to bring saying, well, I, I adhere to the law, or well, I have circumcision, or I'm of the lineage of Abraham. Uh, sorry. Before Abraham was even considered a Jew or what we know of the Jewish nation or anything. And remember, he was called from the land of Ur, of the Chaldeans, a, a, a polytheistic pagan uh, group of people. That's where Abraham was called from. God came to him and told him, Abraham, get up and leave your family and go to a land that I haven't shown you yet. And then he goes on, the Lord goes on to tell Abraham or to give Abraham a little bit more and a little bit more of detail. And he makes him these certain promises and was pleased to do that because Abraham was believing God, though he, in contrary to what he believed or saw around him contrary to hope right this is he just said he believed him i hope i'm making myself clear i i uh, i just want you to understand that the righteousness that we need in order to be right with god and in right standing with god it doesn't come through us being able to accomplish anything it comes through our faith just as abraham believed it just as david believed it okay there's a little bit more he goes on to say, now it was not written for his sake alone or for Abraham's sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. That's you listening and that's me speaking. And for Paul and for those whom he was writing to in Rome and for all those who might come to this faith, it was written for all of us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. You see this here? You see what Paul is laying out for us? That our faith in Jesus Christ, what was accomplished on the cross, in the grave, and through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we put our trust, our faith in that, and it will be accounted to us for righteousness. The righteousness that we are seeking, the righteousness that we need to be justified before God. That righteousness, it only comes through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, And this is what Paul is going to build the case on, or this is, he is furthering his argument furthering what he is trying to explain that you can't count on your good works you can't count on uh, your lineage you can't count on the fact that you adhere to certain laws 
the only thing that matters is the righteousness of God and that the only way that that comes to us or is imputed to us or is accounted to us is through grace. God giving it to us because we simply believe what God has said. Okay? So, have you put your full faith and trust in what God has said? Remember, Jesus is God and he became a man and was perfect and died in our place. Having become sin, he who knew no sin became sin and was crushed under the wrath of his father. That wrath being against sin. And then was raised from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all we simply have to do is put our trust and faith in that. Okay? And then we are be, we are declared righteous before God. We are justified before God. Paul's going to go on to explain these things in later chapters. But I ask you, friend, have you... Are you believing God or are you trying to work your way into the righteous or into the good graces of God? Because you can't do it. And I hope you understand this in Jesus' name.